Welcome to the Acts 29 U.S. South Central Podcast. I'm Bob Thune, and I'm glad to be your host for this episode. Acts 29 is a global family of church-planting churches. The U.S. South Central Network of Acts 29 is focused on church planting in the states of Nebraska, Kansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, and Texas. On this podcast, we take the best content we have on church planting and church leadership, and we make it available to you to equip and encourage you in gospel ministry. On today's episode of the podcast, you'll hear from church planting veteran Bob Fox. Bob planted Red Mountain Community Church in Mesa, Arizona in 1990. He led that church for almost three decades and then handed it off to a younger leader. He still serves on the staff at that church and spends a lot of his time mentoring and investing in younger pastors and leaders. Bob also happens to be my uncle, and he joined us in Oklahoma City recently for an event focused on longevity in pastoral ministry. Let me move from that to some practices that, that I had to develop. Um, and so the first one is this. I, I frequently had to correct my aim to, to be a fragrance of Christ. You know that scripture. You know the rest of it? To God. When I first entered ministry, I was trying to be a fragrance of Christ to people. And uh, the, the passage itself says that to some, this will stink. It'll smell like death. And it'll result in their death because they interpret it that way. To others, it's the smell of life. And I was trying to be a, a uh, fragrance of, of Christ to people. And uh, right now in America, in American Christianity, it seems like they're in love with a tender Jesus. But the moment it gets a little hard, uh, it's not Jesus. And they'll tell you that. I don't see Christ in you. Um, and the remarkable thing is that the life of Christ is, is full scope of all those different things. He, now, the difference between him and us is he did always do the right thing at the right time. But uh, you, you have this thing of our mission has to always be to be a fragrance of Christ to God. Uh, there'll be a mixed result among people. And I don't know how to tell you to get around that. It just is. Uh, a second, so that was very important. I, I had, to, had to get off that kick of trying to be a fragrance of Christ to people. Second, I learned to expect transitions. Transitions. In a transition, your church gets jumpy. Uh, change makes people jumpy. A old face going out and a new one coming in. Transitions make people nervous and make them, make them junky. That's when they need you there. They have to have you there. And so when a transition is coming, learn, learn to just expect they'll be very, very unstable. Now, when we built our life center which is our worship gathering place. Uh, that was just a few years ago, uh, 2012, we built it. Uh, so that was pretty late in my history of ministry. I got surprised because the first Sunday was wonderful in that life center. It was absolutely fantastic. We were finally in this 
this thing. We'd been meeting in our gym building, and it had served us well for 20-plus years. We moved into this life center, and the first Sunday was absolutely fantastic. And uh, as the weeks went by, people started sending me emails. Red Mountain has changed. You ever gotten an email like that? Red Mountain has changed. It, it doesn't seem like the same church. Um, it it doesn't, doesn't feel right. So I, I followed those up, some of them, with conversations enough to know that what happened, they moved in a new building, and there, were no, there was no seating chart. And suddenly, there was nobody around them that they knew, which was good for the church. But it had them thinking, you know, that this place isn't the same anymore. Uh, you leaders have taken us somewhere. I don't know, it's gotten in, this new building has gotten to your ego and, and all of this and had all sorts of sin imported to us. And it's the nature of, of transition. And the music was also too loud, suddenly. We, we use a decibel meter and we were running the same decibels, but the sound was clearer and it sounded louder. And so you make a transition and it can be one as trivial as facility and it'll kind of kind of make them go like this. And you'll have to be the calming shepherd. One of the things is an aside that I learned about leadership is that, uh, well, it happens this way. I, one one uh, New Year's Eve when I was in Nevada, I was praying to the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to learn in this coming year? What's an area of focus for me? And uh, in reading the scripture that night, he seemed, to, he seemed to say to me, I want you to get better at saying the hard thing and speaking the truth. And uh, the next day, I had started a softball league for some of the surrounding communities just as a, to get people out knowing one another. And we had an umpiring problem. And the next day, a man phoned me that just moved into the area, and he was a, had been a professional umpire. And he says, I'm willing to conduct some clinics, but I want you to be one of the people I train. I want you to be an umpire because you're well known here. And there couldn't have been a better thing. You know, no matter what call you make, half the crowd isn't going to like it. It's just a fantastic preparation for ministry and leadership of anything. You go out there and, and the fans, now the fans in Nevada trained on beer and uh, the guys, the players did too. And they'd come and you didn't know what you were dealing with. And you had to get in position and make the, make the call as you saw it and live with the results. And there were all kinds of conversations in the parking lot uh, later that I can't even, I can't even repeat to you. <laughs> because of the language, but, you, you know, that's part of God's thing of developing tough skin and taking off rough edges. Now, here's the deal. For an umpire, they only need you there for about three or four calls a game. The rest, everybody agrees on. And that's the nature, that's the nature of leadership in a transition. They really need you there for those times. That's when they really, really need you, is at those times when they think the church is coming apart, you know, and... Uh, so anyway, that expect transitions. I became a student of them in the Bible. Like I remember one time, a man was came to see me because we'd made some change. I don't even remember what the change was, but I'll never forget him saying, opening the conversation by saying, you know, there's a whole bunch of things you didn't tell us about this before you did it. And uh, because I'd been studying transitions, I realized in the Garden of Eden, there was a whole bunch of things God didn't tell us when that happened, that were going to happen down the road. Now there's things he told us. But 
they could say that about him. You know, God, that wasn't really good leadership <laughs> that you did because you didn't tell us and inform us of all the things that would happen because of this choice. And so expect transition, and remember they need you there through it. Um, I uh, I've developed the conviction that I had to, through the course of my ministry years, pursue death to myself every day. Um, I just reached the conclusion that that's the death Jesus died before he hung on the cross. I probably won't hang on a cross, but before he hung on a cross, he died to himself. The need to be treated as God, the need to have his personal rights enforced, all of those things, he died to himself. So Paul comes along and looks at that, and he says, I die every day. We die every day. Death works in you, in us, but life in you. And I started realizing, you know, that's it. That's it. That's part of the power of leadership is death to self. And the more we're willing to die to ourselves, the more life will work in them. And so I, I began to notice, how do I behave as a husband? How do I behave as a father? That's the first place I can die more. Um, and uh, before that time, I think we had a good marriage. Uh, we had a good division of labor, and Debbie knew what she was supposed to do and did it. That's a good marriage, right? I hadn't entered into death to self enough, and the Lord brought me to that point of being convicted about that, and uh, the same with my children, but then also to my church and to people. Um, I was so aware of things that I needed as a leader. So my, my goal became to uh, be the, a guy that had low expectations and uh, high sacrifice and low needs. Uh, so it's a, it's a neat thing for me to hear from my kids today. We, we don't know what to buy you for your birthday. <laughs> That's good. Now, I can come up with a lot if I only had or something like that. Uh, and I, I learned that I didn't want my home, my kids walking on tiptoes because I came home in a bad mood. Uh, maybe a legitimately bad mood, but not in a bad mood. I just realized I had to die to that type of reaction and that behavior. That wasn't easy. There's times I just have to take it out and crucify it. You know what I mean? You just got to walk that thing out and nail it to the cross and stuff it in the ground. And, and that's the way this is. And that's the, a wise thing to do. Thanks for listening to the Acts 29 U.S. South Central podcast. For more information about Acts 29, go to acts29.com. For information specific to our work in the South Central U.S., visit acts29ussouthcentral.org. While you're there, you can sign up for our email newsletter, you can learn about our church planter assessment process, and you can find out about upcoming events like our one-day church planting mini-conference taking place this fall in Houston. Again, that website is acts29ussouthcentral.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast, and we'll see you again next time.